This is the Byron Bledsoe Podcast, Senior Pastor of C3 Church in Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. Hey, C3, I hope you've had an amazing week. This morning, we are finishing up this series in the Beatitudes. And remember, it's in Jesus' most famous, most well-known teaching that he breaks down these eight different characteristics about how if we want to have a life that's beyond happiness, a life that's more than what most people experience, then these are eight ingredients that need to be a part of who we are and part of what's in our lives as we live the life God created us to live. And this morning we come to the final one. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Matthew 5 verse 10. Because of righteousness, because of right living, because of living in a way that honors God, because of living, living our faith out loud. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, persecution is not something we talk about a lot, and I think that could be in part because, honestly, in this nation, we don't face a lot of persecution. We face a lot of pressure. There's the pressure to be silent about their faith. Our faith, there's the pressure not to engage with, with uh, what we believe in culture and what the Bible says. There, there's pressure, but there's not truly a lot of persecution. But around the globe, if you look at the history of the world, more persecution is happening around the world right now than at any other time in history. In fact, every 10 minutes, every 10 minutes, two Christ followers die for their faith somewhere around the world. And that's been true for the past decade. Every 10 minutes, two Christ followers die for their faith, and it's been happening for 10 years. I remember years ago, the first time I went to the country of India, we flew into southern India. We were in Trivandrum, right at the southern tip of India, and we'd gone there uh, to speak at these large rallies in soccer stadiums to share our faith. And when we landed, the, the missionary that met us told us, don't talk about why you're here, follow me. We got in these vans, we went to the hotel, and, and he made us aware that that very week, the week before, the parliament had outlawed conversions. You could no longer share your faith, you couldn't talk about your faith. If you did that, you would be arrested. So we could no longer speak in these soccer stadiums to thousands, and instead what they did was they adjusted their plan and they sent us into these churches, these small churches in different areas. And so in a 10 or 12 day period, I spoke for two or three nights apiece in four or five different areas in that time frame. And what was astounding to me is under the threat of, of being arrested, under the threat of being thrown in prison, I wasn't too worried about me. I was just there for a couple days in each spot. But there wasn't one church that I went to where the building would hold the crowd. Every single place I went, we had to meet outside. And they hung, hung speakers in trees, and, and they would broadcast the sound because the, the people, their, their faith was so strong. They, they lived under that atmosphere. Even though the law had just passed, they knew the atmosphere. About 25 pastors had been killed in the few months before we got there. They, they'd known what was coming, and yet their faith was so strong. But that's how many people live around the globe, and that's how many people are living right now. Since the time of Jesus, 70 million people have died for their faith specifically. But 35 million have been in just the last 100 years. So persecution 
of Christ followers has intensified. And we can read in history about different times that that happened on a crazy level. But in reality, it's right now more than ever. And so Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, hey, if if you want to live a life of exceeding happiness, beyond happiness, then blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And, And on this beatitude, he goes even further. He adds to, he elaborates a little more. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Now, what we know is, as I mentioned, we're not truly being persecuted in the United States. It feels like it at times because of our reality, but if you step back and look at what's happening worldwide, we're not really being persecuted. If anything, it's persecution light. And it doesn't feel like that, and I'm not minimizing if, if you're walking through something because of your faith and what you believe about what Scripture teaches, and you're taking a stand for that, and you're being ridiculed or insulted. I'm not making light of that in any way. I'm just saying if we step back a broader perspective, we have it much easier than most of the world. We're not truly being persecuted. We are being pressured. So what do we do when we feel pressure? What do we do when we feel like, man, I... I just don't want to talk about my faith. I just don't, I feel like, you know, the workplace or in school or in my neighborhood or at the ball field, man, it's so awkward to bring up and we just kind of feel this pressure. You're in the office and they, they start telling those jokes and there's that thing inside you, man, I should just kind of stand here and smirk and nod or do you walk away? Because as a follower of Christ, you don't want to listen to that. Or you're around a group of people and they start gossiping and talking about a particular person. And always remember, people that talk about someone to you will talk to someone else about you. But you're standing there listening to that gossip. Do you stand there and just participate and nod your head? Or do you walk away? What do we do when we feel pressure? I think we have to ask God to help us see the truth beyond the moment. So often in life, we live in the moment. Moments are, life is lived moment by moment. But we have to look for the truth beyond the moment. And there's several truths. The first one is, when I'm on the receiving end of opposition for my faith, I'm more like Jesus. When I'm on the receiving end of opposition for my faith, I'm more like Jesus. John 15 says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. You belong to the world. It would love, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. Jesus said, hey, when you live for me, when you're a Christ follower, you're going to be hated. It's part, it's part of what happens. And if, if they hated Jesus, the Son of God, who was perfect and all-loving, they're going to hate us. Because evil always hates good. And when you're a Christ follower, the, the goodness of God is in you at some level, some more than others, but the goodness of God is in you at some level. So that means even if you were perfect in every single way, there would still be some people who wouldn't like you. So we have to ask God to help us see the truth beyond the moment. When when that's happening, I'm more like Jesus. Also, opposition to my faith may be a sign that I'm doing something right. Now, I've known people, and maybe you've known people, that were obnoxious about what they believed. I've known people say, man, I'm just, I'm just persecuted all the time for my faith. I just go through all this persecution. No, you're just obnoxious in how you function. 
you believe the right stuff, but you flesh it out in life in the wrong way. And you're not very loving toward people. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about if you're being obnoxious and, and people are resisting that. I'm talking about if you're authentically living out faith in a loving way and you're facing some pressure and opposition because of that, it's not a sign you're doing something wrong. It can be a sign you're doing something right. First Peter chapter 4 says, if you're insulted because you bear the name of Christ, you will be blessed for the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. Hey, when that happens, it's not lost on God. He's aware every small insignificant moment you feel like that you stand even in a little way for your faith and face opposition. God sees that and God's aware. So the question that's obvious to me when I look at the scriptures and I I think about the idea of persecution, if you've never been criticized for your faith, how much do you really have? If I've never been criticized for my faith, if what I believe about life and eternity and God and people, if, if what I believe is not evident in my life in any way so that people that don't believe that don't ever have any kind of disagreement with what I believe, how much faith do I have? Is, is faith something that can truly be private? I don't think that's what Scripture teaches I believe faith is deeply personal, but authentic faith is never private. So we ask God to help us see the truth beyond the moment. And the third thing we realize, it's in seasons of opposition that my faith can grow the most. It's when I'm facing that opposition that I have to lean into my faith even more and my faith can grow the most. So if we're facing no opposition to our faith, if nobody has a problem, if people that are not Christ followers, that have a different worldview, don't disagree with you about your worldview. Are you really growing in your faith? Is your faith really evident in your life? And again, again, please hear me. I'm not talking about because you're obnoxious or because you're mean or cruel. Many things have been done in the, in the name of religion and many things have been done in the name of Christianity that, that were cruel and hateful and obnoxious. I'm not talking about that. I'm, I'm talking about when you sit down in the cafeteria for lunch or in the restaurant and you bow your head to pray for your meal before you eat? Or, or do you not do that because someone at the table will make fun of you? If we're facing no opposition to our faith, we aren't really growing in our faith. So Jesus said, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. And notice what he says, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And they didn't persecute the prophets for being unkind. If you're unkind, that's a consequence of your behavior. It's not persecution. But when we're kind, when we're loving, people that push back against that, what do I do with that? What, what do I do when I'm persecuted for my faith? How do I navigate that? If I'm not careful, my feelings will tell me what to think if I don't tell them what to feel. My feelings will tell me what to think if I don't tell them what to feel. And so often as a Christ follower, it's easy for our feelings to drive us 
man, if I, if I bring that up, that, I, I'm going to be embarrassed. If I talk about that, that's going to be awkward. If I, if I invite them to church or, or to watch online, that, that, that might be a little awkward. I'm not sure how that will go. My feelings will tell me what to think if I don't tell them what to feel. And so you and I have the opportunity to be driven and guided in life by what we feel, which, let's be honest, is all over the place. Or we can be driven and guided in life by the foundational truth that we find in Scripture that we pour into our hearts and our minds and we tell our feelings what to feel because this is right and this is how I'm going to function and this is the way what honors God. So what do I do? What do I do when I face pushback for my faith? How's this fleshed out on a Monday or a Thursday? What, what do I do? I think the first thing we have to do is, is realize it's coming. Expect it. John chapter 16 says, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Jesus told us that. But take heart because I've overcome the world. <clears throat> if you're a follower of Christ, you're going to have pushback. You and I should expect it. That, that's just part of the world we live in. So see it coming. Don't be shocked. Don't let it knock you off your feet in your faith if you find some kind of opposition to what you believe and how you believe. If it's because you've taken a wrong approach, you've, you've been difficult, or you've, you've disagreed with somebody, but you're being disagreeable and angry, man, use that moment to be a teaching moment and say, listen, that, I didn't function in the right way. I wasn't loving in that. Let's adjust what we need to adjust. But if it's just for what we believe and we're doing it in a loving way, hey, expect it. It happened to Jesus. It's going to happen to us. And Jesus told us, you're going to have trouble for following me. Listen, following Jesus is not the easy way out. Following Jesus, authentically following Jesus and his teachings is not the life of convenience. There are going to be difficult, challenging moments because of what we believe. What do I do when I face opposition for my faith? Second thing, lean into faith so that I don't bow to fear. You and I have an opportunity every time and every moment when we know, when, when, when we feel like God is speaking to us, hey man, Pray for that person. They're going through a tough time. Somebody you work with and they've had conversations with you. And, and there's that, should I, should I ask them? Hey, can I pray for you? Should I? And there's that, that, that internal battle. And often, fear causes us to retreat. And when we retreat, we miss an opportunity to be used by God. So lean into the faith and just say, hey, would it be okay if I prayed for you? Very rarely, very rarely will someone say, no, you're not praying for me. If they do, okay, just thought I'd ask. <laughs> and you can still pray for them. But if they say, yeah, that'd be awesome, you've just opened the door to potential future opportunities. First Peter chapter 3 says, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. Hey, I need to recognize the God inside me is bigger than anything I'm going to face in life. So lean into your faith, and it's when you lean into that faith that your faith is actually strengthened. What do I do when I face opposition for my faith? The third thing, shift my focus to the source of true happiness. Shift my focus to the source of true happiness. Part of the reason we struggle with fear and part of the reason we struggle often with living our faith is because we live our lives with a desire to please the people around us. We don't want anybody to be upset with us. We want everybody to like us. 
We don't want anybody to be mad at us. We don't, we don't want any disagreements. We want everybody to think that we are the bomb.com, that, that we are the, the most amazing person that's ever lived. And so because of that, we live our lives in a way where often we keep our mouths shut and our heart closed because we fear someone's reaction and we don't want them to be unhappy with us. First Peter chapter 4 says, however, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. See, I, I've got to learn as a follower of Christ to shift my focus to the true source of, of happiness. I don't need the approval of other people to be happy in life. My happiness is not controlled by someone else moving the thermostat of happy up or down. How happy you are is determined by how happy you choose to be. And the reality that I am loved by God, that he created me for a purpose, that he's put me on this earth at this time. Listen, think about this. What a strategic time we live in. What an incredible opportunity we have to show people what it is to love God and love others. What, ama- what an amazing legacy we have the opportunity to leave to, to teach our kids and our grandkids what it looks like to even disagree with someone, but in a loving way. How happy you are is determined by how happy you choose to be. And you can pour just as much energy into being a fearful and unhappy as you could pour into being happy and leaning into faith. You get to decide. So what do I do when I face opposition for my faith? This one's huge, and this one's hard. Stop fighting the right battles against the wrong enemy. So often we we know the battle. We know what's true because Scripture tells us we, we know where we're going to stand with our faith. We've got the right battle, but we fight the wrong enemies because there is not a person on planet Earth that you and I can lock eyes with that is our enemy. Not a person. Ephesians chapter 6 says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. People are not your enemy. A, a particular Political party is not your enemy. We're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And often we mistake our enemy. And you can have the right battle plan, but if you're fighting the wrong person, you still lose. And the people that you and I love lose. I remember in high school, it was my junior year of high school, and I grew up in Texas, played football, and it was in the middle of a football game. And the other team was kicking off to us. It was toward the end of the game. We were winning, and so it was just kind of like, okay, let's, let's finish this game. <clears throat> and I was on the kickoff receiving team, and the ball was kicked, and we, we kind of went back and formed the wedge, and we're waiting, and then we start running down the field. And there's this guy running at me. We are playing Lincoln High School. This guy running at me, and he was much smaller than me. And so I, I just sort of thought, Okay, it's toward the end of the game. Who cares? And I just kind of was lackadaisical and just sort of braced, and I was running, and that dude hit me. It's the hardest I've ever been hit in my life because I misjudged the enemy in the moment. I wasn't prepared. I discounted the reality. I thought we're winning anyway. I wasn't worried about what was going to happen. 
my man flipped me in the air a couple of times and I didn't know where I was. I went to cartoon land from it. Like that's the hardest I've ever been hit. And so often in this life, we misjudge who our enemy is. And we think it's people. When in reality, we're not bracing for, being prepared for, and stepping up for our real enemy, which is Satan. Your enemy is not the person who's a part of a different political party. Your enemy is not the person who has a different view of the world. Your enemy is someone, Scripture says, his name is Satan. And Satan hates God. That means he hates anything that God loves. And what does God love the most? You and me, his children. So because God loves you the most, Satan hates you the most. Because it's the only way he can hurt God. The only way he can hurt, I mean, how do you hurt God? The only way Satan can hurt God is by hurting you. The quickest way to hurt a parent is to hurt their kids. So recognize that person you you continue to have that disagreement with, that person at the office that is unkind to you and doesn't treat you well and, and looks down on you because of your faith, the difficult people you and I deal with in life, none of them, none of them are your enemy. Second Timothy says, stay away from stupid and senseless arguments. And listen, between now and November 3rd, a lot of things are important, but some things are just stupid. Stay away from stupid and senseless arguments. These only lead to trouble. And God's servants, Christ followers, people that claim to know Jesus, God's servants must not be troublemakers. They must be kind to everyone. And man, that's hard. They must be kind to everyone. And they must be good teachers and very patient. Be humble when you correct people who oppose you. Don't come into discussions with somebody that has a different opinion, proud and haughty, and come in in an aggressive way. Be humble when you correct people who oppose you. It's not just what you say, but how you say it. Maybe God will lead them to turn to him and learn the truth. I wonder how many people have rejected truth because of how it's been presented. They have been trapped by the devil and he makes them obey him, but God may help them escape. So what do I do when I face opposition for my faith? Last thing, love bigger. Love bigger. To be like Jesus, when you receive hate, don't retaliate. Just love bigger. Luke chapter 6, verse 27, I love the message translation. Love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you. What? Now think about it. In those difficult moments of friction and conflict, if we lean into faith instead of fear, it grows our faith. If we function in humility rather than pride, we love people and we have the ability to grow even in loving people we disagree with. Love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer for that person. If someone slaps you in the face, punch them in the throat. That's, that's not what it says. But that's how we feel. If someone slaps you in the face, Scripture teaches, stand there and take it. Now, not many people are going to walk up to you and slap you in the face. But a lot of people slap you verbally each and every week. Stand there and take it. If someone grabs your shirt... Gift wrap your best coat and make, it a, make a present of it. If someone takes unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice the servant life. No more tit-for-tat stuff. Live 
generously. And what if? What if we live like that? Because here's what I know. We all make mistakes. And in life, when I make mistakes, I want my bride to live like this. I want my kids to live like this. I want my kids' spouses and future spouses to live like this. I want my employer to live like this. I want my employees to live like this. I want my friends to live like this. So what if you and I live and treat people the way we wish they would live and treat us? Because any time in life I react to someone's attack, I give them control. So as a follower of Christ, let's live above that. Let's love bigger. So a couple questions that I think are important to consider. First, are, are you facing any opposition in your life because of your faith? Loving, patient, kind faith. Are you facing any? Is there anywhere in your life that because you're a follower of Jesus, you're facing opposition? Or, or let me ask it this way. If it were illegal to be a Christ follower, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Do you live your life in such a way that your faith is fleshed out through your life day by day as you stand for what you believe in a loving and compassionate way? Jim Elliott was a missionary who gave his life for his faith. He was martyred. He said, he is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep for that which he cannot lose. So this week, let's step into uncomfortable places. Let's live our faith out loud. Not because we're being obnoxious, but because of grace. Let's step into that place of, of growth and be courageous and take a risk. So maybe when you're at the restaurant, if you're going to restaurants yet, or you're over to a friend's house for dinner, hey, could we pray before the meal? And you bow your head and pray. Maybe you shoot a text and invite somebody to check out C3 online. Depending on when you're watching this on, on, on Sunday, There could be one or two more opportunities, or there's always next Sunday. Maybe you could shoot a text. Maybe you could, right now, who is it it in the contact list of your phone that you know is not a Christ follower that you could just shoot a text, hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you today. Just lean into being a little bit uncomfortable. Or maybe for you, maybe for you, your next step is to become a follower of Christ. Maybe you've never come to that moment where you've surrendered your life to Christ and you look at what's going on in the world and you know, you know that you and I need something beyond us. There's a God who invites us to call him father and wants to have a personal relationship with every single one of us. So maybe today is your day to surrender your life to Christ. If that's you, I want to invite you to pray a very simple prayer. You can pray it out loud or you can pray it in the quietness of your heart right there as you're watching. Just pray this prayer if you'd like to surrender your life to Christ. Dear God, I know that I need you. Jesus, please come into my life. Forgive my sin. As best I know how, I commit my life to you. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I'd love to know that. I want to invite you to grab your cell phone and just shoot me a text. Just put your first name and send the text to 407-487-8311. 407-487-8311. The reason I'm asking you to do that is I'll get that list of names this afternoon. 
And I would love to be able to pray for you by name today. I'd love to be able to pray for you by name throughout this week and this incredible step you've taken to begin your faith journey in a personal relationship with Jesus. And then I hope you'll join us again next Sunday. I hope everybody will be here next weekend. It's going to be an amazing weekend as we experience C3 online together. And in the meantime, if there's any way that I can be praying for you, man, shoot me an email, hello at c3church.cc. I would love the opportunity to pray for you specifically this week. If there are any specific requests you have, shoot me the email, hello at c3church.cc. I hope you have an amazing week. I love you. God bless you. See you next Sunday. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this message encouraged you and inspired you. Would you share it with someone that you're connected with? And also, if you want to be a part of supporting this incredible life-giving movement, you can text C3 Orlando to 77977. You can also go to our safe and secure giving website at Give c3.cc. Listen, we love you guys. We're praying for you. We'll see you next week.